time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean movies, dramas and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. Tis a Wednesday, tis Paul Matthews' day. It is. Tis, can I use tis in any other way before? Tis the season to, no it's not, it's, it's January. Tis We're the well season past Christmas. to forget your resolutions. Fa la 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 How are you doing, I'm Paul? very good, you know, we're in... We're into, I don't know, like the, almost the middle of January already. It's like no man's land between, I feel, New Year's and New Year's. I like it because anything years. goes. Yeah. This is the time <laughs> when you can test out your resolutions. You can give them up. You can try something else because we've got another New Year coming up. Yeah. And we can do it all again. So have you got any resolutions? I stopped making them for maybe, I don't know, 15 years, maybe more than that. And then this year, with Ivan, on a Monday, yeah. you've had the chance to... I have, his lovely, lovely chap. He's lovely, isn't he? And we did our resolutions, because it was New Year's Day sure. on a Monday, and I really had the thought, okay, I really need to stick to these, these are good for me, and I've forgotten what they are, and it's only... Already? I've, 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 I've not given up, I've just forgotten. Oh my and goodness. I said them with such conviction, and I meant it. But if any of the listeners are tuning in, please let me know what I said. It was something like I was going to cook maybe once a month. Once a month? Like, I literally cooked maybe last year. Like, properly cooked. Not heating things up from my mum. That doesn't count. No, that doesn't count at all. That's heating up. From scratch. Like, not not a meal kit. Yeah, yeah. Proper chopping all the bits and pieces. Nothing. Like, a whole year I didn't make a single thing from scratch. Like, zero. Yeah. You know what the last so once a month is quite impressive. You know what, what the last meal the last meal I made was breakfast, roast dinner. Oh, nice! Had some or roast pork, Christmas roast potatoes or... yesterday. Oh, cause really? Because it's, it's cold. Because okay. my wife and I had the day off or the afternoon off. That's nice. Nothing like a bit of roast meat, some roast veg. What kind of pork was it? Like pork we, belly? Uh, pork uh, no, shoulder? it's what we call here moxhale, which is ah, the shoulder. Okay. Um, we, so it has a nice ratio of uh, meat to fat. Yeah. And it roasts well, and it's still juicy and <sighs> tender, and a little bit crispy, crunchy on the outside, and That's then the, so the potatoes, soft and fluffy in the middle, but but all sort of shardy oh, and, and crispy and crunchy. Do you have like crunchy. a proper oven? Yeah. Oh, nice. And and roast carrots as well, which are beautifully sweet. Yeah. Um, had some steamed broccoli, which my wife cooked. Okay. She did the broccoli. That's and then, nice. of course, homemade gravy. gravy. Homemade? Homemade gravy. Not Bisto? Never. Oh, mum's Bisto. No. How do you make homemade gravy that's not a pain in the bottom? It's not a pain at all. What you do is once you've finished roasting everything, yeah. you pour the fat out. Yeah. So you don't you want a little bit of fat, okay. not much though. And you've got all the scrapings, all yeah. the caramelized bits. Yeah. And on you the add, tray, right? Yeah. Okay. And you add like a tablespoon of flour. Uh, and then you heat that up on the stove, in the pan, uh-huh. with that little bit of fat. Okay. And you're making a roux there. You don't add water at this Not point. Not yet. Okay. First of all, you're adding, you're adding the flour. So you're getting this roux, this paste. Yeah. And it's going to be all sticky. You don't want it to burn, uh-huh. but you want it to sort of cook through. Ooh. Then I've already heated up some homemade chicken stock. Oh. And a glass of red wine. 
Wow, together. Yeah, and I've oh. reduced them down oh to a little goodness. bit more than I need for my gravy. This is a pain in the bottom. No, it it's seems not. Like. Then you pour that into the pan. Yeah. So you're going to deglaze the pan now. You're going to scrape wow. the bottom, get all the yeah. bits off, pour everything in that pan now into a saucepan, heat wow. that up, reduce it to what you want it to be, add a little bit of seasoning if you need it. But to be honest, I already seasoned the meat and the potatoes. Okay. Seasoning's in there. Gravy's done. No water needed. Well, the chicken stock yeah, is the water. And the, and the wine. Wow, yeah. that sounds delicious. It is delicious. But Trust I, me, a red wine gravy. That's after everything's roasted. I would just be so impatient no, to get that done. No, because the meat needs 20 minutes to rest. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Because if you for that. Because uh, <sighs> if you cut it straight away, the yeah. juices just go... Okay. Yeah, not, so you've got to rest can... it. And then, you know, you can put your potatoes into warm. Yep. You set your oven on about 100, 130 have them in the bowl. That way the bowl's toasty, the potatoes are toasty. Everything's ready at the same time. Jobs are good. Poet traveller. Yeah, this is the solution, isn't it? For my resolution, for my belly's health and for your mental health, perhaps it's time you give me cooking lessons, Paul. There you go. I'll do if you pay me. Sci-Fi Kimmy says, I'm a one-pan cooker. Put everything in a pan and cook it, I assume. I yeah. have to say, I like the one-pan thing, but my problem is I'm not... I don't want to cook my pasta in the same pan as my sauce. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. I know that people do do that. Yeah, but it, like I, I, I boil my pasta until it's like a minute out, and yep. then it's in the sauce, and then okay. it's cooking that last minute. That I don't trust sense. the sauce. Okay, to cook. Don't the pasta. never trust the sauce, Peter. To cook it. Yeah. I, does that work? Yeah, I don't. Some, do that. It's been a trend in the last couple of years. Really? You've seen on 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 social media with people actually, you know, putting the pasta into the sauce and just from dry and cooking it through. What? Yeah. I've never seen that, and I'm very skeptical, like you. Um, you're listening to Dish of the Day with Chef Ryan. <laughs> He's got a bit of a cold and uh, he's talking about british roast today no it's check it out with paul but man of many talents isn't he if we weren't doing a book corner what yeah. would you like to do I mean, paul? I, I do food i yeah, mean i, think I might be could. stepping on chef ryan's toes but yeah i think you could do a great job but we, well. we are doing books and we're not doing food so much as spiders today spiders Aren't there some countries, you know, I recently travelled to Southeast Asia where they eat spiders on a stick, I'm sure. I've yeah, seen it's got to be a big spider. You, okay. want, you want some meat on your spider. All right, so we're not talking about the end. No, we're kind. not. We're talking about the human arachnid. That's the name of today's short That's story. That's scary. Indu Jiju. It's by Kei Youngbook, uh-huh. translated by Eugene Larson Halleck. It's online for free to read. It's one of these classic short stories. And we have, well, the human arachnid and like, a very strange well, you, you'll find out okay. there's going to be a strange encounter at an exhibition where two old friends are reunited in a very bizarre way the human arachnid wow it reminds me of arachnophobia the horror film kind of well, slash comedy, comedy horror yeah. comedy horror <laughs> when we were young I did find that scary and I was traumatised I was scared of spiders for the longest while but now what's that on your back don't even try me because since I came to Korea, I've got rid of that fear. Even though the spiders here are scarier, those yellow and black monsters, the right? Yeah, the yeah. shaman spiders, the golden orb weavers. Are you okay with spiders? I think they're beautiful. Yeah, if you look at them closely, right? Yeah, with the I mean, red in there as well. I was more cautious when I was in Australia. Yes, put it that way. But here me. in Korea, spiders are not going to hurt you, and no. as long as you don't do anything nasty to them, they're not going to do anything nasty to you. Yeah, I did learn that they can bite, but I've never really heard of that happening, and I don't think they're like. Yeah. Yeah, at it, all poisonous. No, I'd be more scared of the hornets here. Oh, yes. Don't go near those. Uh, okay, so Human Arachnid is the book. 
I'm not sure if I recognise either the author or translator. Uh, we've had the translator once before. Okay. Um, I think it was last, the start of last year. All right. Uh, for the Golden Bean Patch. Ah, okay. Digging Where that guy was trying to con them into digging yeah. holes. Okay, that was a good one. Uh, but no, it's the first time with this author, Ke Youngbook. Um, uh, he was born in Pyongan-Bukdo province, in, which is now North Korea in 1904. Uh-huh. Went to high school and then attended university in Japan. Um, oh. And he became quite a bit of a celebrated writer in the 1920s. Um, people loved the way he could tightly structure a story. Mm-hmm. Like this one is only about eight pages long. Oh, wow. Really but, it's short. A, but, it, but it packs a big punch. Nice. And his descriptions are great. Um, and he was, I want to say, one of the lucky ones. So many young writers mm-hmm. passed away early. Yeah. He lived through to 1961. Okay. Um, and he continued to write uh, lots of great works until his passing. This one... Uh, was published in 1928, and it's really looking at how Koreans were treated by the Japanese Empire, by colonialism, but in a very unusual way. It it, it sort of takes a a trip around to some very odd places. Mm, Very interested now. I had no idea from the title that's the topic it was dealing with. And for some of you that might be confused, you know, if you're tuning in for the first time, Went to university in Japan during, like, the Japanese Empire. Happened a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because it was your chance to try and get a better life for yourself. You were still a second-class citizen in Mm -hmm. Japan because you were Korean. Yeah. And you were still a second-class citizen in Korea. (laughs) But it gave you a a leg up. And I think many parents, you know, were desperate just to make sure their kids had some kind of future because they didn't see a future for themselves. Yeah, so quite a lot of our writers born around that period did study in Japan. And sometimes were even writing in Japanese rather than in Mm -hmm. Korean. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Our translator, okay, second time featuring Eugene Larson Halleck. Yes, uh, hails from California, um, and he spent a number of years here in Korea working as a freelance translator, Mm. not just for fiction, but also for all kinds of things. Oh, nice. Because you need to to earn a living. Of course. (laughs) Um, And uh, he's an award winner in 2012. He won the grand prize in fiction at the 43rd Modern Korean Literature Translation Awards for his translation of The Cold by Yoon Sung-hee. So it's great to feature him again, and I think it's a brilliant translation. All right. So a very short story available for free online if you want to check it out. But we've got three readings from Paul. I assume we're starting at the very beginning of The Human Arachnid. At the very beginning, no context needed, but a warning. If you're faint of heart and you don't like spiders, Uh this first bit might be a little bit uh, discombobulating. All right, fingers in the ears and la-la-la time for you guys. For the rest, let's check it out. An industrial exhibition had opened in the city of S., People tied back their hair and poured like a human ocean into the exhibition grounds from the early morning to see the spectacle. Magic troops, theatre companies and performers of this sort and that had come from all over to take advantage of the opportunity and were drawing the people in with all manner of boisterous antics. On this day, as on others, kyung had been wandering around the square with an empty carrying frame on his back in the hope of finding some work. Fed up, He was just about to return home when he suddenly heard a barker advertising a human spider and stopped to listen. Come and see, for the cost of only five jun, the human spider from far away India. Yes, it is a strange beast indeed with the head of a man and the body of an arachnid. In the dead end alley across the way, 
A tent of sacks and straw mats had been erected. A new muslin banner with a peculiar brightly coloured drawing of a spider with a man's head hung above the entrance. A man stood in front of the door in a worn-looking suit, shouting at the top of his lungs. The people, filing out of the tent, one after another, muttered to themselves in disbelief. Well, wasn't that just the strangest thing I've ever seen? <laughs> Who would have imagined there was such a thing as a spider with a man's head? Kyung Su squeezed in between the people coming and going from the tent, muttering to themselves, and took a long look at the painting above the door. He debated whether he should go in or not, but it had the cheapest viewing fee, so he set down his carrying frame and decided to spend the five jun, the cost of a pack of dampung cigarettes, to see the show. He entered, and what did he see? But a human spider. The eyes, the nose, the mouth. Its face was exactly the same as that of a man, and it was even handsome. It had a slender face with well-formed features and hair parted on the left, with the back clipped short and a high collar cut. But the body below that was about a half meter in both directions, and legs like the claws of a crab were spread out around it. It was nothing else but the body of a giant, disgusting spider. Two large trees, dense with branches, just beginning to show the colors of fall, had been set to both sides of this monster, and it hung between them on webs like thick rope. No matter how closely he looked at it, it was obviously a spider with the head of a man. What an interesting opening reading there. I thought it might be something figurative or, or more mysterious hidden behind a curtain, but it seems like it is literally a Spider-Man, like a head of a man and a body of a spider. Yep. And I could imagine it hanging between a couple of trees with this big, thick web. And uh, Stephen's saying it reminds me of the movie The Fly, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, um, but not as Gross, gross and gruesome as that, though. Okay, good. We're not getting into that kind of territory. But this is like an exhibition, so it seems like a bit of a, a circus freak kind of deal where you're paying to yeah. just go and take a look. Um, yeah, we don't use the word freak of these course. days, but <laughs> back in the old days, they had what were called freak shows, mm -hmm. where you could see things that you could never possibly imagine, and some of them were real and some of them weren't. Yes. And here, well, we have a human spider. It's like a fantasy story, or it's just normal planet earth and then there's just this one spider well, human we're gonna find out okay but i should say the human spider is alive okay and is looking and interacting with the visitors like there's a gisang who's visiting and, and the spider sticks his tongue out at her oh. pretends to go and strike her with one of his legs wow a bit um, humorous <laughs> Yeah, so so scary and funny and freaky and weird and all these kind of things and kyung Su's looking at it and he's going like this can't be real yeah, you know, how they how they doing it, but it does look real. But then he thinks, look, it's hanging in the trees between uh -huh. these two trees. Where would the legs go? You can't put a human in that contraption. Okay. Um. So, is it rubber? What is it? But the face is real enough that it seems like it's actually like a proper person's face. It's not face. like talking though at the moment. Well, he tries. He tries speaking to it. Okay. And he asks it how old it is, and it just it shakes its head. Oh. And then he asks if it can understand him, and it shakes its head again, but it seems to be saying that it can't. But that means it can understand him. Ah, <laughs> oh, is it all unhacked? Yeah, and so then he's asking, well, why are you shaking your head? What does that mean? And the spider just starts staring at him. 
with these wide eyes. Yeah. And then the eyes start to twitch, and then tears start to form, and the spider Uh suddenly starts to cry. Oh, no. And at first, it's just tears, and people are starting to look, and then the spider starts to sob. Oh, dear. Kimmy says, well, I now know what's going to be in my nightmares tonight. Hooray, Kimmy! Happy spider dreams. A crying spider. (laughs) Man hanging from some trees. And Steve, yeah, you're right, talking about the Ripley's Believe It or Not, kind of along those lines. Right? Yes, yeah. I mean, we had these kind of events all over the world. I, I never thought about it mm. uh, happening in Korea. And this story really sort of struck a chord with them going, of from course. back then, right? Yeah, back then in the early 1900s, they were having magicians and all sorts of events. Okay. But I guess because we don't see it in the movies or yeah. the dramas, we don't think about it. Well, time for our second reading, A a Sobbing Spider-Man. Yeah, and this is where we pick up again. Seeing this, the owner suspected that there might be some connection between Kyungsoo and the creature, but rather than asking, the owner became flustered, not knowing what to do, and concerned that the true identity of his creature might be revealed to the detriment of his business. Just then, the sound of a propeller was heard loudly overhead and the crowd rushed out of the tent. Kyungs also wanted to get a look at the plane, but he was even more curious about the identity of the creature. So he stayed where he was, staring at the creature. The owner and Kyungsu were the only two people left inside. Kyung... Kyungsu! The creature suddenly yelled out Kyungsu's name and then looked over to its owner. Kyungsu got goosebumps when he heard the creature suddenly call out his name. With no idea of what was going on, he stared at the creature as though transfixed. At that moment, the owner lightly plucked the spider from its web and set it on the ground. The creature quickly shared its spider shell to reveal the mangled body of a man whose legs had been amputated at the top of the thighs. He crawled toward Kyungsu. Oh, Kyungsu! Even like this, you don't recognize me. It's me, Chang. The cripple cried out in a wavering voice. Then he suddenly grasped Kyungsu's wrist and Kyungsu knew. He had realized who the man in front of him was. This man with no legs could be no one other than Chang'o. Chang'o who he had thought was dead. Chang'o had been one of Kyungsu's friends from long ago, but they had been separated in the chaos after the earthquake. Not having heard any word of Chang'o in the three or four years since, Kyungsu had assumed that his friend was surely dead. Even in his dreams, he couldn't even have hoped that they would be reunited this way. Kyungsu rushed to Chang'o and grasped his arm excitedly. Oh, Chang'o! He shouted in a voice beginning to crack with emotion. Well, that took a twist rather quickly. Well, we've only got eight pages to get through this, Yeah, but still, uh, were you expecting this? Not at all. I was convinced it was going to be some kind of miracle of nature. But it's gone a step further. It's not only a human, but it's a friend of Gongsu who he thought was dead. Yeah, um, I mean, we had that awful earthquake in Japan uh, last week, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and thankfully it wasn't. As big yeah. as people feared it was going to be, and you know the tsunamis weren't as as powerful as sure. they thought they were going to be. But a hundred years ago, I, I don't know whether you've heard of the Great Kanto earthquake that affected Korea. No, in Japan. Okay. Oh, this is set 
there? No, this is set mm. in Korea, but they were both in Japan at the time. Ah, I see. So this was a huge earthquake, devastating. We're talking uh-huh. about so many people killed. Yeah. And in the aftermath, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot going on in mm-hmm. that time. It's, it was a really scary time, especially to be Korean in Japan. Of course. Um, so it's wonderful that they've met again, but Kyung-soo had no idea what had happened to him. And suddenly, you know, to meet his old friend now, to see him missing his legs and pretending to be a spider, it's a weird, sad moment. Tragic, yeah. And so at this point, we learn of their friendship. Mm. They grew up together in the same village, really close friends. Um, And they were farmers, they were poor, and then their farmland got taken away, and they were like, well, let's go and be laborers. Together. Yeah, and so they went to Japan. They thought, we'll find work there, but... They couldn't speak the language, Uh-oh. and no one was interested in hiring them. Oh, what did they do? Yeah, well, well, eventually they got separated mm. in the earthquake in the aftermath, and they thought each other dead. And okay. Jung-soo had managed to sort of hide out, not get arrested, managed to get home. There were a few close scrapes, but he came back to Korea. Is this where Chang lost his legs then, in the earthquake? No, no. no. Okay. This, is, this comes later, because Chang-ho was arrested, okay. and he was put in prison for a month. <gasps> After his release, he ends up working in a coal mine. Okay. And it's there where there was an accident. There was a mine collapse. Oh, no. And there he lost his legs. He almost lost his life. (sighs) And so he gets released from hospital. He's got no money. Uh, No one's going to look after him. He's Korean. He's not Japanese. What does he do? Well, he becomes a beggar. And so he he survives like that for a little while. Mm. And then he meets another disabled beggar. And they come up with this idea. Uh The idea of the human spider. Oh, wow. Maybe this could be a way to make money. And so they go and they find a magician. You know, not a, not a Harry Potter wizard, no. but a, you know, a conjurer. Yeah. And they ask for help. And he's like, this is a, this is a good idea, guys. Oh, we can make money. And they okay. do it. And they make really good money in Japan. Okay. And he comes back to Korea. But, of course, the money runs out. And he's like, mm-hmm, shall I do the human spider thing again? Ah, uh, so they do it to get back to Korea. They give it up. And then yeah, and he's like, I need, I need money. Okay. And, you know, people are going to pay to see this. And so that's how he came to be here. And Kyung Soo's really saddened by all of this. Mm. He's like, You've, so this is all you can do. And you've got nowhere to go. And I don't have a proper home. I'm pretty much, you know, living hand to mouth. Yeah, he's a bit jobless. We forget that at the beginning he was looking for work here. Yeah, and he's like, look, I'll help you. I'll help you find work here. We'll work it out. And um, in our final reading, in our final excerpt, we'll sort of hear what Chang'o says to that idea. I can understand Kyung Soo's... You know, his, his feelings for wanting to take care of his friend. But is that practically possible? Let's well, find out. Yeah, especially when his friend is making more money than him as a human spider. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this is all while they're in the tent, right? Yeah. And we're, we're looking back to this. Of course, that would be great, but what can a cripple like me do? Who would want to work with someone as mangled as I am? They wouldn't see me as anything but a crippled beggar. Ugh. I told you what happened to me, but what about you? How did you end up here? Chang'o looked back, resentfully at Kyung-soo. I'm all on my own and wandering the same as you, but I haven't ever felt alone since I arrived here. I'm living day to day as a labourer, but there are hundreds of strong, healthy men just like me amongst our censored. And together we take pleasure in learning about censored. Together. You should join me. It doesn't make any difference in my life whether there's one more or less person. But I know that if you just go to censored, there will be plenty of work. Oh, could it it be true? If that's true, of course I'll go. I'll go even if it kills me. 
Now that I've seen you, I've, I've got to tell you, after I ended up like this, I thought I had nothing left to live for. I wanted to know how my parents and my family were doing, seeing them one last time before I die, so I came back here to our hometown. After how that ended up, though, I was hopeless. Nothing would be a greater honor than to go, but when I get there, what work for me, censored? Stop all that blathering and let's leave right now if you can go. It was good that I came here today. If today hadn't been my day off, I wouldn't have come here and then I wouldn't have met you, would I? Kung Su grasped Chang'o's hand and shook it once more, vigorously. I'll go then, of course I'll go, but I've, I've just gotten started here and the exhibition has only a few days left, so I'll, I'll come to find you when we leave. And I'll come to see you the night after next. All right, I'll see you then. Sounds good. Kung Su let go of Chang'o's hand, and Chang'o got back into the spider costume. Come and see the strange creature from far away India, a spider with the head of a man, five jumper viewing. As Kung Su left, he could hear the sound of the barker's call. He shuddered at the memory of Chang'o's appearance earlier. Kung Su's eyes suddenly brimmed with tears and his fists tightened. Without even realizing what he was doing, he yelled out into the sky, censored. Kimmy is relieved that at least Chang'o is getting paid for this. She thought at one point during the story maybe he'd been kidnapped or something No, no, no. Like He's that. doing this of his own volition because he doesn't know what else he can do. Okay. Um, because let's face it, if you were disabled mm. back in the early 20th century, unfortunately in many countries you would be shunned. Yeah. There would not be a place for you in society. Yeah, and, and work as well, even harder to come by. <clears throat> but it seems like he's been convinced, despite like you saying, maybe Chang was making more money than Gyeongsu, to go and do something together. Well, we we don't know. I think it's it's up to us to to make up our own story after this, because this is where it ends. Oh, this is the very end. Yeah, we okay. have no conclusion to this. We're just left with the anger... And the despair of Kyungsu, who's just seen what's happened to his friend, mm. who's been forced to become this freak show just to make a living. Oh, yeah, that's not great. But what is the censored, censored business about? Well, that's the version we have. We have the version that was censored by the authorities. So oh, literally are... the book came out and then these bits were censored. Yeah, so there are details that link to real events or places or ideas that the uh. Japanese colonial government did not want oh. being read by Korean people. So they'd let it be released, but just with those bits censored. Yeah. So even the very last line, we don't know what he yelled out into the sky. That does seem rather essential to a short story to get that last word. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, it, it speaks to the pressure under Korean laborers and every Korean during mm. that time. Yeah. Um, and I think it actually, it does impact the story, but it also makes the story more powerful because you're going, you're a writer. Mm. You you are like Chang'o in yeah. some ways, is that you have no other choice but to get your story out there. Uh -huh. But you know your story's going to get censored no matter what, wow. but you're still going to write it. Yeah, that's interesting. I really wonder now, what did he say? <laughs> yeah, so so it's, it's a brilliant story. I recommend it. Very short to read, free online. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it really starts you thinking about what conditions were like for these ordinary, you know, men and women working, you know, just ordinary jobs or at least trying to. Yeah. But the other thing is, is looking at society's attitudes to disability. Mm. And I mean, Korea's come a long way. Yeah. Um, since then, in a, in a hundred years, in a century. Yeah. But at the same time, 
um, we still have issues uh, over the the past year in 2023. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure whether you've talked about on the show. I think I've mentioned it once or twice. We've had these subway protests yes. by uh, by wheelchair users who were saying, you know, we can't actually ride the subway easily because yeah. not every station has the accessibility that we need it to have. Yeah, it has come a long way, like you said. And I think Seoul subway system, you know, maybe even compared to our home country of the UK in terms of elevator access, I think it's more widespread. More widespread, perhaps, but there's still more to be done. But the problem is that, you know, Seoul City shut down the protests then and, you know, arrested people for it. And so you get to this position where these people are saying society is not treating us properly Mm -hmm. and yet you shut them down. So it's an issue that Korea still has to deal with. What what blows my mind, though, Mm -hmm. is I've been to some big franchises. I won't name them, like a certain coffee franchise that's Uh popular all over the world. Here in Seoul, some of their branches... You can't go to the toilet mm. if you're in a wheelchair because the toilets are upstairs. Yeah. Sometimes the entrances don't have ramps. Yeah. And you're thinking in 2024, mm. um, with an, a rapidly aging society, with more and more people who will find it difficult to access things where there, there, there aren't ramps, yeah. what are we doing in this country in terms of um, you know, serving everybody equally? Yeah, there is still a long way to go. And the way you might... Feel that you might not notice it until you think about it. You don't see many people in wheelchairs, like about your daily commute. You don't. And stuff. My my brother-in-law is in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and so I have first-hand experience through being with him of seeing what he has to go through sometimes. Yeah. And then the thing that this story reminded me of when you said, you know, Chang'o had, you know, had his legs amputated, is when I came to Korea when I was in my teenage years, I went to the fish market, and I was really shocked. There were people like that who had been amputated, and they're crawling about with their arms on boards. Yeah. Like trying to, I think, make a living, but also doing begging at the same time. It used to be a common sight at Kangnam Station. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, for those of you who visited Korea twenty years ago, yeah. you would see you would see disabled beggars on the street on those boards with a little sort of a little speaker playing yeah. music, tinny music, and just so you know, they're there money. because they're literally they're not on, like sitting up or anything like that. They're lying flat on their stomachs on these boards, yeah, crawling along. Otherwise, you wouldn't know. And yeah, I was completely shocked. And yeah, it goes to show there was. No, nothing for them to do, perhaps. And no, well, no, no proper support system. And things are better. It should mm. be said, Korea, Korea has come on leaps and bounds in the 23 years I've been here. Um, but there's still a long way to go. And I think this story was making a really interesting political point and societal point 100 years ago. Yeah. But it's also making a really interesting <laughs> political and societal point 100 years on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hope, yeah, 2024, New Year... N- new beginning. Well, it's not really. Well, we've got an election on the 10th of April. Okay, so we'll see how things can change. Uh, like I said, I think the infrastructure is there in a lot of places and they just need to make a, a little bit more of a concerted effort. But you're right, if people are protesting, and you know, they're not protesting for fun, it's because they really can't get around. Their voices need to be heard, not shut down. Yeah, because right? you never know, we could be one of them at of any course. time in our yeah. lives. Like you said, with the aging population as well, just taking older folk to places that have stairs and, and too many like high uh, curbs and things like that, it's difficult, it's difficult. It's yeah. going to get more common, isn't it? Uh, a one-line review then, Paul, for this. A sharp, shocking story that stays with you long after you finish reading it. Mm, yeah, I've still got that image of a giant 
man spider hanging between some trees. Well, this is why K. Young Mok is such a brilliant, brilliant author. In eight yeah. pages, he, he creates an image that you will not forget for a long time. Uh, next week's book poll. Uh, if you want to read and you want to let us know what it's what it's like, what you think of it, let us know beforehand. It's called The Consultant. It's by Im Sung Soon. It's translated by An Son Jae. It's a newly translated thriller. It just came out a few weeks ago. I'm really looking forward to it. The Consultant. Oh, I like the title. Uh, Paul, thank you as ever for your wonderful readings. Uh, thanks to you. Thanks to everyone. Thanks as always to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for the help with copyright permission for broadcast. Thanks to Kay Young Book for his story and to Eugene Larson Halleck for his translation. And I'll be back next week with another book. Roast some potatoes, Peter. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidung Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.